0: Welcome to Transformation. I'm Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network, your host for this podcast series. This project is a partnership between the Red River Farm Network, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and numerous stakeholders throughout our region. There's folks like the North Dakota Wheat Commission, Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and the Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. In this series of podcasts, we're discussing the issues surrounding mental health and farm stress. And the opportunity to sit down with Jolene Brown after she gave a presentation at a farm succession planning session. Jolene's an Iowa farmer. She's an author, a very well-known speaker. There are so many dynamics at play in farming. These are family-based businesses, multi-generational businesses oftentimes, where we live and work all in the same place. And that's especially the case when we transition that farm from one generation to the next.
1: You know, we have the best people on this planet, and that is the people of agriculture. And, Don, they want to do what's right. But since they don't know what right is, they don't do anything, and we get in one heck of a mess. And my whole premise is I don't want them to be a family-first business, operating on hopes, assumptions, wishes, and that they can all get along. I want them to operate as a business-first family. And what that means is you honor the family so much, you will do the business right.
0: So how do we get to that business mindset when we we are coming to this with uh, being a family?
1: Well, usually it's, it's some tragedy. <laughs> they see the neighbor's farm that went on the auction block, or they're not sleeping at night. They're worried. Or mom's trying to make peace in the family and we don't get along. The bottom line is, as you start bringing people in, you've got to do it right. And once you start operating as a business and you get some management tools in place, then all of a sudden you're more productive you're more profitable, you've got some peace of mind, and only then can you sit together happily at the holiday table.
0: So does it take having an outsider come in to help that, that dialogue?
1: Well, I love to hit him over the head with a two-by-four and wake <laughs> him up. As one fellow said to me, you know more about our business than we do. And I said, well, whose fault is that? You know? yeah. so, so, you know, what it takes is a real team effort. If you think about the three little pigs, that third one did it right. He didn't do it overnight. He put in one brick at a time and then put mortar in between. And so today that mortar was part of the event. We brought in an advisory panel of a CPA, an attorney, and a financial planner, and I wanted them to see what synergy in action looks like because I've learned if things are not in writing, things do not exist, and I told them today that farmers lie. They do. They say, you know, work hard. Someday this will all be yours, or I'm going to retire, and then there's that dreaded, oh, you don't have to worry about your brothers and sisters. They got their jobs. They're not interested in the business. Well, that's true until you're dead, and everybody wants the money. So what I shared with them is what you've got to have in writing so that if you have chosen that a legacy of the land is to continue, and you want this to happen, and you've named who's going to happen with and when it's going to take place incrementally, then there's things that you must do, and you must have an attorney and an accountant involved.
0: So how do we begin that process of succession planning or that transition?
1: Well, I encourage them to start with the advisor they're most comfortable with. And you must give them permission to talk to each other on your behalf because you save a whole bunch of money when they're all working together. And so the way you start, especially I get the young generation all the time, well, they don't want to talk about this or nobody will tell me and I'm working and working, but what for? I remind them that they have no right to ask questions of their parents if they don't have their house in order. So tomorrow at the Young and Beginning Farmer program, I'm going to remind them if you don't have a will, you have no right to be asking about your parents. then I'm also going to share with them that wills are changed on a whim. So you need to have things in writing outside of the will that trumps the will. So a legacy can continue. So you start with whichever advisor you're most comfortable with. And you go with the best information you have for today, knowing that things change. But nothing is irrevocable unless you make it. We don't encourage that. We want it to be revocable. And you do the best you can. But even the young farmers need a financial power of attorney. And they need a living will. And they need the health power of attorney. They need guardians for their kids. And when they put a ring on someone's finger, it comes with an obligation. So they better learn how to take care of their house before they start looking at another.
0: You're talking about the in-laws. That's a whole different dynamic yeah. into this discussion.
1: They're your best friends or your worst enemies. And one of the young women said to me, you know, how long do you have to be married before you get to be family? And we've got to answer that. So it is the business's role to state what is the role of a spouse in the business, if, if any. Is it keep out? We don't want you at meetings. Um, you can never inherit anything. If it is keep out, please understand whoever I'm married to must represent my best interest when he or she is in the meeting. Now, then the spouse wants something from the business, and it is security. If something happens to you, what happens to me? Especially if the business owns the house in which I live. So these in-laws are your best friends or your worst enemies. And I had an interesting conversation over lunch where one mom said to me, um, I don't want my in-law to inherit anything. It's going to be my kids, my grandkids, and on down the line. I said, so so you, are you an owner of the farm? Yeah, I'm half-owner. Well, did it come from your side of the family? No. I said, well, then how did you get to be half-owner? You know, if we treat this as a business and if this in-law meets the prerequisites as all others must before they join the business, they can be hired, and they can be hired well. And so be very careful as you start excluding in-laws because they may have their own ideas of what they want for security and why a nurse should they ever support the farm, especially if they're not even included on communication about what's going on.
0: So communication, we've all heard the term of uh, that ostrich syndrome. It's easy to stick our head in the sand. How do you prevent that? How do we make sure that we are able to communicate?
1: Well, I told them today I'm just like they are. The more I have to communicate with people, the more like hogs. Because if I don't like the old bitty, I'm sending it to market. I can't do that with sisters and brothers and moms and dads and cousins. So if we understand that communication is the bloodstream of the business, I gave them specific tools today all the way from how to deal with little conflict so it doesn't blow up. I taught them how to have a code of conduct so we know what we believe to be good and right and fair. And what happens if you breach that? I gave them a managing people chart so we can actually see what their jobs are. Because I hear so many times from young farmers, you know, Jolene, I can't do anything right, but I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, but I can't do it right. And so dad says, okay, so they grew up in this farm. I shouldn't have to tell them what they have to do every day. And I said to dad, so how is this management by mind reading working for you? Because they're not very happy. Now, if you want to have good employees who will stay loyal, here's how a leader communicates. And sometimes I divide them into the upstarts and the old farts. And I say, why do you need them? What do they do that drives you nuts? What keeps you up at night? And once we begin to see how we need each other, knowing we're going to work differently, then we have the chance to get the communication flowing. But one of my biggest problems is the mom. She's the peacemaker. Oh, you come talk to me, and then you come dump on me, and then you tell me, and I'm trying to get everybody to get along. I said, Mom, you're the problem, because you're not putting on the back to the people who can solve the problem. It's not you.
0: The fear of failure is uh, with us a reality, and in this farm economy that has to be even uh, amped up to a degree, how is that part of the, the dialogue you're having with farmers?
1: So the farm has to be worthy of transitioning, and this means it has to be financially strong. You don't bring people into a mess and hope they're going to fix it. And I told them today to be very careful if they're starting to loan money to a family member, because it is my philosophy, you should never loan money to a family member you're not willing to take to court unless it could be a gift. Because what happens if they don't pay? Well, you take them to court. Oh, but there are kids. Well, then it's a gift. I don't have any other option here. So putting your head in the sand and not realizing that communication is a choice that you make to, to do. And in this room, we have some of the best producers in the world. They're superior at weeds and seeds and breeds and feeds and money, machinery and marketing, but they're crabby with people. And yet it is, is the people that do all that production. And so we have to make sure that we have a leader, and it may not be the existing one, that we have a leader who understands we're in the people business. And I have six family businesses right now where the daughter-in-law is leading the business. Oh, no, we're trying to keep her from owning anything. What do you mean she's going to lead? Well, a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law makes very good leaders. First, they graduated from a different school. But here's why. They're scared to death of doing something wrong. They do everything exactly right. And one of these wonderful young daughter-in-laws made the family business $51,000 her first week as leader because she fired the deadweight brother-in-law who was an alcoholic driving up and down the road drunk, putting all of their assets at liability risk, had gone to town, bad-mouthed the business so bad the banker came out to pull the loan. And she said, unconditionally, he's our brother, he's our son. Let's give him the resources the best we can, but understand, you can take the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Unconditionally, we accept him in the family, but he is not a part of the business because acceptance here is conditional and it is not a birthright.
0: These are tough decisions. How how do you get to that point where you're able to make those tough decisions? Well,
1: it depends. Do you want a legacy or not? I mean, do you want to lose it all? Do you want to lose both the family and the business? Well, then do nothing. But... If you love and honor your family, you're going to do one thing at a time so you're not overwhelmed. And you don't walk this journey alone. I know with egg Country, they have so many really good succession and estate planners and family transition planners who would be by your side to help you with the next step so that you're not overwhelmed. And then what I know is because they're good people and they want to do what's right, they begin one thing at a time. One of the challenges that we have is that we forget to celebrate. You know, we work so hard, and we're like hamsters on the wheel. We get burnt out, worn out, stressed out, and then we say to the next generation, Oh, jump on the wheel. You can get burnt out, worn out, stressed out. What would happen if we actually pause to applaud all that we've done? That we say, I am so grateful for this opportunity to farm. You know, if it weren't for you guys, I couldn't be here. I couldn't have started up on my own. Or what about if you said, Man, am I glad you deal with that technology because I don't want to have to deal with that. You are so good at what you do. What would happen if at the holiday table you began to appreciate each other. And instead of the fear of succession planning or something you had to do, you actually said, let's get her done. Let's get it done right. And we're never really done because we always have to review this along the way. And when I have those legacy businesses, and I have so many of them across North America and countries beyond, it's because they've done little things one at a time to make the big thing of a legacy happen.
0: Our special thanks going out to Jolene Brown for her insight and her practical advice. A reminder, if stress gets to be too much, help is available. There is the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline. It's free, it's confidential, and it's available 24-7. All calls are answered by trained staff and volunteers. That helpline number 833-600-2670. You can also find it at minnesotafarmstress.com. You can find those links at the Red River Farm Network website, rrfn.com forward slash transformation. Transformation, a partnership between the Red River Farm Network in cooperation with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. This project is funded by the National Institute of Health, the Great Plains Center for Agricultural Health, and numerous stakeholders that include the North Dakota Corn Growers Association, Minnesota Corn Growers Association, North Dakota Farmers Union, and others. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.